Hello, Grace 242. Our scripture reading today comes from Isaiah 41, and we'll read verses 1 through 10. Isaiah 41. Listen in silence before me, you lands beyond the sea. Bring your strongest arguments. Come now and speak. The court is ready for your case. Who has stirred up this king from the east, rightly calling him to God's service? Who gives this man victory over many nations and permits him to trample their kings underfoot? With his sword, he reduces armies to dust. With his bow, he scatters them like chaff before the wind. He chases them away and goes on safely, though he is walking over unfamiliar ground. Who has done such mighty deeds, summoning each new generation from the beginning of time? It is I, the Lord, the first and the last. I alone am He. The lands beyond the sea watch in fear. Remote lands tremble and mobilize for war. The idol makers encourage one another, saying to each other, Be strong! The carver encourages the goldsmith, and the molder helps at the anvil. Good, they say. It's coming along fine. Carefully they join the parts together, then fasten the thing in place so it won't fall over. But as for you, Israel my servant, Jacob my chosen one, descended from Abraham my friend, I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, You are my servant, for I have chosen you, and will not throw you away. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. One of the times that I've been most afraid in my life was December 26th, 2014. We were at my parents' house and we were celebrating Christmas, uh, the day after Christmas, and I remember Bryn was munching on this cookie, and all of a sudden she began complaining that her mouth was tingly and started hurting. And then she started complaining that she had trouble breathing and the situation was escalating quickly and we could tell something was wrong and there was nothing we could do to stop it so Morgan and I threw her in the car and I drove her to the emergency room. In hindsight we probably should have called an ambulance because all the while that we were driving Bryn was only getting worse and worse and so by the time that I was only about a mile out from the hospital I was doing about 55 in a 25 zone because I could tell my girlie was having trouble breathing. And I remember thinking to myself that if I meet up with a police officer right now, I'm not stopping. I'm just going. And I don't care if I go to jail. I don't care if I have an army of police cars behind me. I'm going. And thankfully, we didn't meet any police. And so we got to the hospital and we ran in, dragging Bryn along with us. And praise the Lord that our good friend and neighbor, her name's Megan Brill, was already working that shift that day. And she came out to us and said, what's the problem? And we brought her into the emergency room. They took her into a room. And I remember I was truly afraid when this, there was this vision of doctors and nurses shooting into the room all over the place and there was about 15 medical personnel in that room all with hands on our daughter pumping her full of different medicines and restraining her as Bryn was yelling and thrashing and freaking out. And I remember in that moment wondering if I might lose my little girl and I was truly afraid. Well, praise the Lord, they got her stabilized and they told us that they were gonna transfer her to Children's Hospital. And so she got to go on a helicopter ride down to Children's Hospital. And so that was another leap of faith and another moment of sadness or scaredness for us um, that we had to actually say goodbye to our girl as she went out on the gurney um, to the helicopter. And then Morgan and I drove down to Children's Hospital. 
Turns out that she had had an anaphylactic reaction. Um, that was how we found out that Bryn was allergic to tree nuts. And so we went down to the hospital, met her there, she was stabilized, and she stayed the night. Um, but this is how we found out about her tree nut allergy. And I remember being truly fearful that my girl might not make it and that we might lose her. I tell you this story because I think for all of us, at one point or another, um, we've experienced fear during this pandemic. I like to visit this news aggregator, and there's all these links to different news stories, and most of the links are in black, but then there's always this most prominent one in the middle of the screen, and it was highlighted in red and bolded, and I can't remember what the headline was, but I remember seeing the headline, thinking this is serious, clicking the headline, going to the story, and after reading the story, I remember I had my true, my first true moment of fear uh, during this pandemic. And I bring this up because if we're all honest, I'm sure that every single one of us have, have had that moment like I had when we were truly fearful about this disease and, and what it could potentially cause. This is why I'm pointing us today at Isaiah 41 verses 1 to 10. This is written to God's people, the Jews, and at this point in their history, they are in exile. They are confined to exile under the power of a foreign nation, Babylon. The Jews had, by and large, turned away from God, and so God allowed this nation of Babylon that was rising to power at the time uh, attack their city, Jerusalem, the capital city of Jerusalem. That city fell in 563 BC, and the invading Babylonian army then took the Jews and rounded them up and deported them into their homeland of Babylon. And so these Jews are confined. They are stuck in a place that is not their home. And now, as these Jews are confined to exile, they're wondering if God had promised the land of Canaan to them, why would he allow them to go into exile? If they were God's chosen people, why did he allow Babylon to overtake them? As these Jews live in the confinement of exile, they're having trouble reconciling these promises of God with the reality that they're experiencing. If God had promised that they would be the chosen people and promised that they would live in this land, then why had God allowed Babylon to overtake them? And I think this situation of the Jews is one that we can resonate with. The Jews are confined and we feel confined. The Jews began to question if God was in charge. And I think right now, if we're honest with ourselves, it's very easy in our fear and as we're locked down and confined, awaiting out this disease, it's easy for us to wonder, is God in, con in control? Is God in charge? Does God mean what he promises us? Is God truly alive, well, and on our side? The Babylonians were in power over the Jews, and many of us might feel like this virus is exercising a lot of power over us right now. Just as the Jews in exile feared that God wasn't in charge, it's easy for us to fear right now. Isaiah 41, 1 opens in a courtroom. Verse 1 says, Listen in silence before me, you lands beyond the sea. Bring your strongest arguments. Come now and speak. The court is ready for your case. What's the case to be argued? The question is this. Is God truly sovereign and in ultimate control? That's what this court case is about. Is God truly sovereign and in ultimate control? And verse 2 is the author, the prophet, forth telling what will happen in the future. 
Look at this vision that the prophet receives. Who has stirred up this king from the east, rightly calling him to God's service? This is verse 2. Who gives this man victory over many nations and permits him to trample their kings underfoot? With his sword he reduces armies to dust. With his bow he scatters them like chaff before the wind. The king from the east mentioned in verse 2 here is King Cyrus of Persia. Now right now, Babylon is the world power and the Jews are exiled under the power and rule of Babylon. But several years down the line, Persia would rise to power. And when they do, King Cyrus of Persia will conquer Babylon and then after conquering Babylon, he will allow these exiled Jews to return to their homeland. Now King Cyrus of Persia is not good, nor is he godly. But God, as the one who is in ultimate sovereign control, is going to use King Cyrus for the good of letting his people return to their homeland. This is how sovereign God is, that he can use bad, ungodly forces and people for his own good and greater purposes. Now look at verse 5. 41.5 says, The lands beyond the sea watch in fear. Remote lands tremble and mobilize for war. As King Cyrus rose to power and begins conquering the world, people begin to fear. And right now, it might feel like our King Cyrus is the virus. It's easy to look at the map and the number of cases and grow fearful at how these cases continue to spike and increase. The virus is striking fear into our world. And in the same way as King Cyrus marched across the earth, he struck fear into the nations as he began conquering nation after nation. The prophet is forth telling what will happen when King Cyrus rises to power and begins his conquest. But now look at verses 6 and 7 and let's see how the people respond. When the people fear King Cyrus' army, how do the people cope? Let's look at 6 and 7. The idol makers encourage one another, saying to each other, Be strong! The carver encourages the goldsmith, and the molder helps at the anvil. Good, they say. It's coming along fine. Carefully they join the parts together, then fasten the thing in place so it won't fall over. How do the people cope with the fear? They make idols. The more idols, the more gods, lowercase g, to protect us. That's how they're thinking. The more idols, the more protection from the gods that we have. But the truth is, and we know this, that idols won't protect them. It's not idols who are in charge, it's God who's in charge. Look at this in verse 6. The idol makers say good about their idols, but God is the ultimate creator who says it is good on the days of creation. The idol makers have to fasten the idols in place so they won't fall over because a toppled idol is a bad look. A toppled idol is an image of futility. A toppled idol is a picture in and of itself that shows that the idol did not work. But God is unable to be toppled. He is the one who holds all of creation together, Colossians 1. Now look at verses 8 and 9. But as for you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, my chosen one, descended from Abraham, my friend, I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, You are my servant, for I have chosen you and will not throw you away. God reminds Israel that he is the one who chose them. And when he calls Abraham, my friend, you can actually translate that, my beloved. Even though God's people sit confined in Babylonian exile, he calls them his beloved. Even though we sit confined in our homes, God still sees us and still calls us his beloved. He will not throw us away. 
He hasn't abandoned us even when we face unprecedented times like these. Even when we feel like he might be far away or like he's missing what's going on in our world, he has not forgotten and he has not thrown us away. He still calls us his beloved. The question being argued in this courtroom is, is God truly sovereign and in ultimate control? And God has just trotted out all this evidence that he is indeed the one who is God. He is indeed the one who is in ultimate control. And then he assures his people, look at 41.10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. We need not fear, because he is the one who is in control. He's the one who allowed Babylon to overtake Judah. He is the one who will raise up King Cyrus to defeat Babylon. And in all of it, he still loves his people. He is so sovereign that he can take two godless nations and use them to accomplish his purposes. This is the one who is on our side. This is the one who calls us my beloved. This is the one who raises up kingdoms and lets them fall down again. This is the one whose spread, who the spread of COVID-19 is not outside of his control, nor does it escape his gaze. We serve the God who is in ultimate control. Look at verse 4, Isaiah 41 verse 4. Who has done such mighty deeds? Summoning each new generation from the beginning of time. Who does this? It is I, the Lord, the first and the last. I alone am He. This is the one who we serve. Two things I'd like us to think about. Number one, God allowed the Jews to be conquered and taken into Babylonian exile to get their attention. He allowed his people to be brought into the confinement of exile to get their attention because they had drifted so far away from him. And God operates the same way today. He allows these things to happen in our lives that get our attention. While this disease confines us to our homes, I'd invite us to think, why is God getting my attention right now? What is it that God wants to address in my life? What does God want to draw my attention to? Look at how he opens in verse 1. 41 verse 1 says, Listen in silence before me, you lands beyond the sea. I think right now we're being invited to sit and stop in the confinement of our homes and listen to God. He is getting our attention. Let's listen. And the second thing I'd want us to consider is this. What or who are you running to? As King Cyrus's armies marched across the earth, the people trembled in fear. And the prophet trains his camera upon these idol makers, and these people ran to idols to alleviate their fears. What are the idols that you are turning to? What are you turning to to alleviate your fear? Are you turning to supplies? Ultimately, does the fact that we still have a decent supply chain calm you? Or is it God who calms you? Are you turning to toilet paper? <laughs> it's kind of funny, but there's a little part of me that hopes that Costco shows up with toilet paper pretty soon. <laughs> there's a little part of me that's nervous about what am I gonna do after that toilet paper runs out? Are you turning to your income? What are you turning to to alleviate your fears when God is the one that we should be turning to? Who or what are you turning to? 
We need not fear, Grace 242. God took care of his people then, and he takes care of his people now. We are his beloved. Praise God.